Well, we're starting a new series today, Shift, and we're going to talk about how Jesus uses these stories, these parables that he tells to shift the way we see things, to help us see the world through kingdom eyes. Um, It is so easy for two different people to see a situation in completely different ways, for two people to see the world in two very different ways. There's a story about a husband and wife and and what they wrote in their journal one day. Um, The wife wrote extensively in her journal on this day. She said, I'm not sure what's wrong with my husband today. He has been distant. He's been very quiet. Trying to get to the bottom of this, um, I, I thought we would go out to our favorite restaurant and we would have conversation together. And while the food was great, the conversation wasn't. He just seemed to stare off into the distance and not have anything to say. I asked him questions and he just gave me the shortest answers. Finally, I said, why don't we go somewhere for coffee where we can be alone and talk? And I asked him what was wrong, and he said, nothing. And he wouldn't say any more. She said, I shared with him how I loved him, and he just seemed to smile a little bit, but, but didn't really respond to that either. We got home, and he sat in front of the TV, silent. So finally, I went to bed. About 15 minutes later, he came up and went to bed, and we didn't talk anymore that day. I don't know what's wrong. The husband's journal entry for that day went like this. Rough day. Boat wouldn't start. Can't figure out why. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Two people can see something very, very differently. And Jesus is always provoking. He is the ultimate provocateur. Jesus is always trying to get underneath the surface and mess with the way people see the world around them, mess with their priorities, mess with their underlying assumptions. And oftentimes, in fact, most of the time in the ministry of Jesus, it wasn't enough just to tell people. He had to show them. He had to engage them and help them see. And that's why he used these stories. One story that reminds me of, of, uh, of how we can have a reality in our head that doesn't correspond to the way the world re- really is is the movie The Truman Show. Do you guys remember that with Jim Carrey a few years back? I mean, it was a movie about this guy, uh, Truman Burbank, who even before he was born, his, his life was on TV. And, and everything from fetus in his mother's womb until he was 30-something years old was transmitted live to the entire world. And he lived in this carefully orchestrated reality in this town called Seatown, where all of the people around him, all of those who interacted with him, were actors on a set. And he was the only one that didn't know it was a show. It wasn't reality. One day, he had decided he 
Well, for some time he had decided he wanted to travel, and for some reason the flight always got canceled or he was not, never able to make the trip. You see, they were constantly blocking any attempt he had to leave this giant biosphere, this giant dome that he lived under that was miles and miles wide. But one day he was able to steal a small sailboat and begin to sail. He was determined to get off that island and to get out of Sea Town. And that is when reality came crashing down. Watch this two-minute clip, and then we'll get back to, to Luke chapter 6 this morning. So Christoph, the producer, is watching him as he finally discovers that the world is a sham and finds an exit. When you go through the New Testament and you read the parables of Jesus, Jesus is constantly trying to open the eyes of his disciples and others so that they can see that so many of the assumptions that they have bought into, the world that has been constructed around them simply isn't the world as God sees it. And so Jesus, I think in his parables, is giving people an escape, an escape from the illusions that they have bought into. Mark tells us in Mark chapter 4, verse 2, he taught them many things by parables. He taught them many things with stories. And then Mark tells us in chapter 4, verse 34, 33 and 34, he says, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand he did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. So his, his modus operandi, his operating system as a teacher was to show people reality by using these stories. And yeah, Mark tells us sometimes he would sit down at night and explain things 
plainly to his disciples. But even then, they didn't seem to always understand what he was saying about the world and about the kingdom of God. Some people just weren't open to the shift that Jesus wanted to cause in their thinking. Their eyes were clouded over, their minds were dulled, their hearts were hardened. And so as we begin to make this shift with Jesus this morning into the kingdom of God, let's allow Jesus to open our eyes as we go to Luke chapter 6. One of the stories he tells is a story about a storm and a couple of different builders. Luke chapter 6, verses 46 to 49. Thank you, Christopher, for sharing this earlier. It goes like this. Jesus starts out, and you kind of see where he's going. He says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays a foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it was, it was well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation When the floods sweep down against the house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. So as I'm reading the text against the backdrop of our world this week, I'm thinking, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking about Hurricane Sandy. I'm thinking about what happened in the Northeast a couple of weeks ago. I'm thinking about that devastation. I'm thinking about entire communities washed away. I'm thinking about... um, flooded subway stations in our, in our nation's largest city. I'm thinking about the damage that floodwaters can do, that a storm surge can do. Jesus says, you know what it's like when someone is, 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 is sitting at my feet and, and is listening and they're nodding their head and they're saying, amen, rabbi, and they're saying, yes, I believe Jesus is Lord, and then they leave my presence and they don't obey my teaching. He says it's kind of like someone who, who built their house on a floodplain. It's kind of like someone who put their home a little too close to the beach. It's like someone who, who, who saw the forecast of the hurricane and didn't budge. You heard what I heard the last couple of weeks. And, I mean, a couple of weeks right before the hurricane hit. You remember it was, it was Chris Christie and it was Bloomberg and it was Cuomo and, and these politicians and these public officials say, on the television constantly saying what? Saying, get out of your house. A huge hurricane is coming. We can make no guarantees for your safety. Get inland as fast as you can. And so all of these civil servants and politicians were pleading with people to leave. Everybody heard. I mean, you couldn't have not heard the public officials asking you to get out of the way of the hurricane. It was all over the place. But not everyone heeded the warnings, right? I mean, some decided to to write it out. And the hurricane came. 
And there were devastating consequences because of those winds and those waters, that storm surge. One thing I think that Jesus is making clear, and this is kind of a no-brainer, right? But one thing He makes clear in this parable is that storms will come up against every kind of person, every kind of construction, the, the good and the evil, the righteous and the wicked. The storms will come up against every life. And it could be the storm of, of job loss, it could be the storm of, of, of going into debt to go to college and finally graduating and finding absolutely no openings in the career you have been preparing yourself for and you're like, what now? It could be a child of yours who's gotten a little older and has fallen into, into chemical addiction. That's a storm, believe me. It could be dealing with a family member who has a protracted illness and the prognosis just isn't good. But I think Jesus' point here is we can all expect storms. If you're blessed to live long enough, you will experience all sorts of different kinds of storms. It may be a marriage that is rocked by a storm surge of unfaithfulness, of betrayal. Storms are coming, guys. Storms are coming for all of us. No matter how righteous you are, no matter how obedient you are, no matter how faithful you are, storms are coming. But the difference is in the preparation. The difference, Jesus says, is in the foundations that are laid. Now, if you wait until the hurricane is on you, if you wait until the radar shows that giant circling cloud right over your town to say, whoa, I think I better build a better foundation. I think I better put in some, some pillars here. I think I better, you know, get under and dig deeper. It's too late. The time to build the foundation is before the storm comes. And then Jesus says, if your foundation is built on the Word of God, if your foundation is built on the authority of my teaching, you can stand up against any storm. The storms will come. They'll be difficult. They will be challenging. But if your foundation is, is dug deep into my word, you will survive and you will perhaps even thrive when the storm comes. The parable calls for a, for a shift. In Romans chapter 14, verse 1, Paul, and there's another place in Philippians chapter 2 where quoting Old Testament, Old Testament texts, Paul tells us that at some point... Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. At some point, every knee will bow, proclaiming Jesus to be Lord. So at one point, Paul says, everybody will say, Lord, Lord. But if you wait until the judgment day, it's too late. 
You will be a person of faith, but it will be too late for that faith to save. And so the invitation of Scripture is before the storm comes, whatever, whether it's a financial storm or a health storm or a relationship storm or whether it is that storm that every man, woman will face, the storm of death, before the storm comes, Jesus is pleading with you, get ready. Make my word your foundation. And you'll come out the other side just fine. But he says in verse 49, anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. So Jesus doesn't just tell people about the shift to the kingdom that they need to make. Jesus shows them what it looks like when that shift is not made, right? We have men and women here at Preston Crest who, who show us in living color what it looks like to have your life built on the rock that is Jesus Christ. And we see them experiencing all kinds of storms, and we see them standing firm because they have spent a lifetime trusting in Jesus, hearing the words of Jesus, and building those words into the construction of their life. One of those people I'm going to invite up here in just a moment, his name is Shelby Anders. He's an Aggie, 24 years old, um, just a beautiful spirit-filled guy. Shelby has, knows what it's like to deal with storms. I mean, he's been dealing with um, a, a protracted illness for the last 10 years, since he was 14 years old, and I want him to share a little bit of his story so you can get insight into, come on up, Shelby, into what it looks like when somebody that you know, that you see, builds their life on the rock that is Jesus Christ. Welcome. Come on up. Have a seat. I'm just going to talk for a few minutes, Shelby, and why don't we start out by take a deep breath. It's hot. <laughs> it's hot in here. It's hot under the light. Yeah, you forget how hot it is when you have to speak in front of a few people. Tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about the, 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 the diseases you struggle against that I, I won't try to pronounce. I mean, I wrote them down, but they're, they're long Tell yeah. us about this struggle that you're facing. Um, well, my name's Shelby, and Gordon already said it. I'm pretty proud of being an Aggie. <laughs> so, but um, he got said, some whoops. Yeah, "Got a whoop out there." But whenever I was 14, I was diagnosed with uh, some pretty interesting health conditions. They have some fun names, and I've talked a few times around the church, a few classes, and um, some people are really familiar with with what's going on with me. And there's been lots of people praying, so I thank everyone for that. But when I was 14, I noticed I was having some health difficulties, um, doing normal everyday things, walking, going up and down stairs, and it sort of came out of nowhere. I was a normal, healthy 14-year-old kid, and then it was over a course of a few months, I noticed I couldn't do normal things 14-year-olds could do, like uh, play baseball, walk upstairs in high school, and I'd, I'd get tired. Notice my hands mm. and fingertips were turning blue, mm -hmm. my lips were turning blue. And so um, I'd been treated for asthma for a while, and one day I was just like, this can't be asthma, it has to be something else. And so I went and had a few tests run, and 
I got sent to doctors all around, and after weeks, and it seemed like months of testing, um, they diagnosed me with two conditions. Uh, one's called primary pulmonary hypertension, and that's the easy one. And the next one's where it gets fun. The next one uh, we like to call nonspecific interstitial pneumonitis. Yeah, anyone, anyone heard of that one before? Show of hands. But what it is basically is they found a ton of scarring in my lungs, mm. and that scarring sort of came out of nowhere. They can't pinpoint a cause, and that's why they'll call it nonspecific or idiopathic. And they don't know where the scarring came from, but the scarring causes my uh, blood vessels to thicken around my lungs, which that's the nonspecific interstitial pneumonia. Mm -hmm. And then that scarring causes restricted blood flow around my lungs, which raises pressures in my heart, which creates high pressures in my heart. And so basically what that means is whenever I do any sort of activity, my oxygen levels will drop and my heart pressures go up, and it creates a dangerous situation for me. And so I went from being a normal 14-year-old kid who was trying to play baseball to over the course of about two months, I went from being told I couldn't play sports anymore, I couldn't run, mm. I needed to wear oxygen with activity, wow. and my prognosis at that point was about a year and a half. And so... So they, they told you and they told your mom that you had a year and a half at that point? Yeah, they told me without some sort of intervention or a transplant, I had a, a year and a half to live basically in that current condition. Mm. Luckily, it's been 10 years now, so I say I'm in bonus years. It worked out for the good. But, um, Amen. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> and that's the, to the power of God that has nothing to do with working through the doctors and the mm. attitude he gave to me. But now it's just treating it. I have this really cool fanny pack that I wear. I'm trying to bring back the fanny pack. It's not working out for me so far. You're bringing it back, man. Trying you rock to. it, dude. You rock it. It looks good. Trying to. But a few months ago, I was in the bulletin a lot. I think uh, actually I was listed as Venetia Anders' teenage daughter. My name's Shelby. It happens. <laughs> um, Sorry, Venetia. <laughs> you named him Shelby. But so. the, uh, I'm pretty sure God was able to sort out the prayers. And... Uh, a f few months ago, my heart started to get worse, and I had this really cool pump put into my chest. So now I'm on medicine 24-7, and I have to wear it wherever I go. Mm. And then uh, about a month ago, it's, it was showed that my, the scarring in my lungs started to get worse, and the best treatment for that is a, a type of chemotherapy that I started on two months ago. And luckily, it's not a high dose. I, I just get a, a small glimpse into the life of someone who has to deal with cancer and have a ton of respect for hmm. whoever's had to deal with that and has gone through that. But, I mean, that's the point I'm in, at now. Ten years of going strong, you know, definitely and proved you the doctor's wrong, wrong man. So I mean, anybody who knows you even a little bit says, I mean, before they know anything about your situation, about your health issue, they see a guy who is living... Full tilt. I mean, you are you are living a lifestyle that, and I want I want you to talk a minute. You're just a, a a person that's full of Jesus, and I want you to talk just a minute about you know you're in these storms, you're in the middle of this diagnosis. Has God opened some doors, or has God given you some opportunities that maybe I mean that that you've been able to use this to to bless people? Or I mean, I like to think so. Um... One of the things, I just remember back to when I was first diagnosed, I can remember sitting in the doctor's office and they were telling me, okay, Shelby, you can't do this, you can't do this, mm. this is going to happen. And my attitude was like, well, that stinks, but what can I still do? Mm -hmm. And I remember being 14 years old, that was a really tough thing to go through. 
And I remember, I just, this is amazing how God works sometimes, but I'd just gotten involved with the church um, back home, and I'd really been in there for about four months when mm-hmm. this all happened. And I had a great church family to fall back on. Mm. But it's opened up tons of opportunities for me. Because whenever I asked, well, what can I still do? They said, well, you can still do this. And I was like, okay, I'm going to focus on what I still can do instead of what I can't do. And I really got involved with Camp Deer Run. If you ever talk to me, if you talk to me for about three minutes, you'll hear me talk about Camp Deer Run. It's a great (laughs) place. And I was there, and there was a lot of good staff, and they really helped me cope with everything that was going on. And I kept going back year after year and then ended up staffing out there. I think I was the only mm. staff member in the history of camps to be wearing an oxygen tank and running around in a creek with kids. And wow. it was, yeah, I had a lot of fun. But, I mean, my real passion now is, because of camp, is working with kids. Right. And if, I think if it hadn't have been for this condition that I have, you know, I never would have realized that. And as I've grown up, I've really noticed it to be more of a blessing than a hindrance mm-hmm. um, to see how God's worked in my life through others around me and through myself, mm-hmm. and to see how people react to me. You know, it's really, I mean, it, it really, really, you know, makes me see what's important. Well, man, I've seen, I just see people around you um, encouraged and inspired by you, and I see your spirit, and I mean, you are, I, I just love the idea. I mean, I know you're working in McKinney schools right now doing your student teaching, yeah. um, and I just... I think how blessed are those kids to have Shelby Anders, you know, in their classroom. So at some point, you're going to be looking for a full-time gig, right? Full-time yeah, teaching I, gig. I finish on December 7th, so if there's anybody out there who... That's, that's cool, man. Yeah, <laughs> we, got to, we got some folks here that might be able to help out, but mm-hmm. I think that would be... I just love the idea of you being in public schools, and, and this is a Title I school you're at right now, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. you're dealing with some kids who have some real issues yeah. of their own. They do, know? and uh, there's actually a kid named... Well, I won't share his name, but... Um, he actually kicked a door in my face two weeks ago, and he's just a precious little angel. And he, well, he's in alternative school now. <laughs> but I mean, it, it really—that's <clears throat> something that struggles with me because he's going through health conditions of his own, and I was really trying hard to connect with him. Right. But it just didn't work out, and I just want to be able to, you know, work with kids, even though that didn't work out. I know my joy is there, and mm. I mean, my time here is going to be, you know whether it's 20 years or 100 years, I just know that that's something I need to do and wanted to use the gifts that God gave me for the time that I'm here to spend it working with kids or whatever I can do to glorify God through the gifts that I have. Well, you may, and you may have connected with him more than you think. I, mean, I, I hope so. Well, he connected a door to my yeah, face. Yeah, he definitely connected that. Yeah. I can still see some damage up there on the forehead from that. So talk, talk just a little bit about Preston Crest, about what, what it's been like here at this church over the past... Well... Um, I got involved with Preston. I'm actually from East Texas, and then when I went to A&M, my family relocated here, and they came, started coming to Preston Crest. And whenever I first got involved with Preston Crest, I was at A&M, and I was actually here on an internship, and I started going with my brother and my sister-in-law to the Young Marrieds class. Mm-hmm. And it was really funny because there's all these lovely couples with new kids, and then uh, there I was. And then Shelby, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I got really involved with them. It was great. And then once I moved here full-time, and I left their class. They're like, Shelby, why are you leaving? I'm like, I'm not married. <laughs> and so I went to B1, and I was like, I'll try to get back here as fast as I can. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Another advertisement yeah. this morning. Yeah. <clears throat> but B1's been great. Um, lots of people. I like to call it the young professionals class because I'm not there because I'm single. I'm there because right. they're my right. age. 
And actually, a lot of you really helped out, or you may have heard about this, but they did a fundraiser for me a few yes. months ago. And it was just a huge blessing to see how many yeah. people turned out. I mean, not only to watch the Cowboys, I mean, I guess that's a big deal around here, but to come out and, you know, just show support for me. And a lot of my friends put it together there. Mm-hmm. And it just really showed me that, you know, Preston Crest is a good place to be, and God's really working here through through the people here. And just to see the ministries that are going on, mm-hmm. and you, Gordon, I mean, it's up Thanks. here every Thanks Sunday morning. Plug. You're welcome. Appreciate that. You're welcome. And I'm, I'm thinking, I think it would be neat if you shared with us this morning, because we're talking about, you know, building your life on God's Word and how that helps when you do experience storms of life. Is there a, like a passage or two that have really made a difference for you? Well, yeah, there's two of them. It's, the first one's Isaiah 40, 31. I don't know if you have it popping up here. No, you don't. Um, luckily, I have it mostly memorized. But it says, Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. Yes. And that, to me, has a lot of actual literal meaning. Yes. Because my whole condition is, well, I can't run. Mm. And I have fainted a few times. And to just think that, you know, no matter what's going on, if I keep my hope there in the Lord, that one day, you know, whether it be through healing here or whether it be... Mm-hmm. You know, whenever I move on, that I'll get that chance to to yes. run because I haven't been able to run since I was fourteen. Yeah, and it's something that you know when you when you have to do it, you're like oh, I'm tired. But then when you can't mm-hmm. do it, you're like, man, I'd love to feel that mm-hmm. kind of tired. Right. And so that means a lot to me to be able to think of that. I actually, have it on a plaque above my desk. And then another verse that I found about three years ago that really stands out to me is Psalms uh, seventy three. Or Psalm 76, verse 23, mm-hmm. or I may have gotten it mixed up in my head. It's okay. But Psalm 70-something, 20-something. And, <laughs> but it says, Though my body may fail me and my spirit grows weak, the Lord remains the strength of my heart, and he is mine forever. And, Amen. Yeah. Wow. And that verse is just powerful in itself to know that, yes, my body is failing, my health is failing, I mean, but there's bigger things than that. God's bigger than mm-hmm. me, and as long as I fall back on Him, you know, things will be okay. Yeah. Is there a final word you want to share or you'd like to bless people with this morning? Yeah, it's just a thought that whenever I teach this lesson or have, you know, talked about what's going on with me, rather to classes or to kids at camp, the thing that always helps me keep it in perspective is, I mean, our time here on earth is short. Yeah. Rather, right. you live 20 years or 100 years, I mean, our time is short. And I like to think of it as if you take all of the grains of sand on a beach, you know, billions, trillions of grains of sand, and you pick up just one little speck. I mean, that's our time here on earth in relation to eternity, in relation to what God promises, just that one little speck. And so I have a lot of stuff going on. All of us have a lot of storms or trials in our lives. I mean, but we can't spend all of our time focusing on that. Mm. I mean, our time here is short, and we have work to do. We have work to do for God. That's right. And, you know, that's what I do. Every morning when I wake up, and knowing how my health is, I know that today is a new day, mm-hmm. and I woke up this morning, what can I do to help someone? What can I do to show God? And some people go out and serve. I mean, I, I work mm-hmm. in a Title I school, and so I see it as, well, how can I show love to these right. kids? How can I show love to someone on staff? Mm. How can I say something nice to someone in a grocery store? I mean, work, good works can be done everywhere. I mean, but that's just what I focus on. Our time here is short. And I just can't focus on myself. There's so much more to live for right. than just me. Well, Shelby, you, I mean, you don't, I know you're a humble guy and everything, but I just want to say 
you shine for Jesus, and you have blessed so many people. So the storms, um, Shelby has experienced those, and Jesus tells them they're coming in one form or another for all of us. And, and the question the Lord asks is, what are you building on? And Shelby is building on the rock that is Jesus Christ. He's building on the promises of God. And the spirit that you saw briefly this morning, that's the spirit this guy walks in all the time. And I, I, I'm thankful for his mom and his family, Venetia and his family, who've introduced him to Christ. And I'm thankful for a young man who has dug deep and built on the foundation that is Jesus. Um, there was a competition, an art competition a while back. And the challenge was to, to paint something that defined peace. And so various artists came into the competition. And there were paintings, as you might imagine, of, of peaceful meadows um, uh, of a beautiful mountain lake, uh, of these idyllic scenes. But none of those won the competition. The winner of the competition was actually a painting that imagined a very fierce storm. And in this storm, there was a bird perched on a branch. And as this storm was whirling around this bird perched on a branch, this bird was at perfect peace, didn't seem worried at all. Why, you may ask? Because the artist had painted this giant outcropping of rock over this bird. And so this bird found himself in this protected place, this sheltered place as the storm was raging. And this morning, Jesus invites you to, to find your peace in him. He is the Prince of Peace, and he offers that to everyone who comes to him and not only says, Lord, Lord, but, but chooses to become his disciple and build their life on him.